0: Quick, what are you doing to disciple your kids? Catechids can help. Catechids is a little book with 100 simple questions and answers to help parents teach their young children the essential doctrines of the Christian faith, to lead them to faith in Jesus, and equip them to walk in the Spirit every day and love God. I wrote Catechids for my own kids, and they love it. It's become a tool that's been blessing Christian families and churches far and wide. Get Catechids on Amazon today or by going to thethink.institute. Welcome to The Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective, with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. Welcome back to another episode of The Think Podcast with Joel Sedeckes. I'm Joel Sedeckes, and this is the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Now, we have got quite an episode for you today. If um, if I were Justin Brierley, I would probably call this episode a barnstormer. But here's what we're talking about. Are men pointless? Or how about this one, actually? Can men get pregnant? Or wait, wait, here's a, here's a good question. Is there any actual difference between men and women? And if so, who gets to define that? In fact, who gets to ask these Questions. We're all about tackling impossible questions here on the Think Podcast. And so we want to know who gets to ask these questions. And it's important to ask these questions because these are the questions that our fellow partakers and participants in Western civilization are asking. So it's time we had a conversation about what the Bible really says makes a man a man and why. That's a good thing. Are you ready for a definition of manhood grounded in something more substantial and solid than mere emotions or societal preferences? How about God's word and sound biblical doctrine? Well, as it turns out, scripture does have quite a lot to say about manliness and masculinity. And while it might ruffle some cultural feathers, it is absolutely necessary to understand what the Bible teaches on these subjects. If we want to progress into the future with any level of sanity and clarity ourselves and also to inculcate truth in our children, both our sons and our daughters. So this episode of the Think Podcast has the potential to be a real game changer for how you think and talk about masculinity, manliness, and even the idea of a patriarchy. Specifically, we're going to talk about theological definitions of manliness Masculinity, patriarchy, what the Bible says about masculinity and patriarchy, what role the Bible should play in our conversations about these concepts, whether the Western world is facing a masculinity crisis, and next steps for Christian men who want to grow in biblical manhood, as well as much, much more. My guest today is none other than Michael Foster. Let me go ahead and bring him onto the stream. Brother, welcome. Hey. Thank you so much for joining me today, brother. Glad to be here. Well, um, if you don't know who Michael is, I, I have a hunch that if you're watching this show, you probably know about It's Good to Be a Man. You probably know about Michael Foster, but he is the managing director of It's Good to Be a Man. He's a serial entrepreneur who has been in bivocational ministry the better part of his adult life. Michael is blessed with a wife and seven children and is the pastor of East River Church and, I understand, a new homeowner, which he's been posting about on social media, some really cool, very heartwarming posts about his his uh kids getting to know the new the new house. And uh he lives and uh works just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. So uh Michael, man, thank you again for joining me. This is, I have to say, this is an episode I've really, really been looking forward to. Um we're not a uh we're not a ministry that focuses primarily on masculinity, manliness, things like that. But Because we focus a lot on biblical doctrine, biblical worldview, it seems like we have a lot of people who listen to our show who are also interested in those issues. I am interested in them as well, and uh, I'm a major appreciator. And supporter of what you guys are doing as well as the this is foster podcast which i haven't seen any new episodes of recently is that still going
1: we absorbed it into uh it's good to be a man so we we'll probably do more episodes like that after we we're almost done with the book i was actually finishing up chapter nine this morning so we'll uh have more a little more artsy uh episodes like that uh, probably late april
0: uh, those are very cool, man. The production on them is very good as well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. So um, just a quick bit of housekeeping. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and leave us a comment. If you have any comments, questions, or responses, um, Michael is going to be taking some of those questions at the end. And um, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, give this video a like and make sure you hit that bell. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, best way for you to leave comments is to do so over on the YouTube channel. If you're going to watch and listen and comment through Facebook though, be sure to go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook and enter your permissions there so that um, I can know who you are we can interact well. All right, so without any further ado, Michael, could you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you enter into this this the manosphere, uh, the world of biblical masculinity and manhood? And uh, you know, what's your own personal story?
1: Sure, um, I became a Christian when I was seventeen years old. I I grew up in a uh, kind of your standard uh, potluck mixed up household where my mom probably identified as a Christian, but we didn't really go to church almost ever. She told me to pray to Jesus, but who he was never explained. I remember uh, Hmm. uh, someone telling me about Good Friday, and I just couldn't process why the greatest man ever being murdered was something that you should Celebrate! <laughs> it just made no <laughs> sense to me, right. um, so I didn't really know any of that stuff. And uh, I spent a good portion of my life with my grandmother, who is a Jewish immigrant from Germany. She came over here uh, after World War II, and so kind of had that that world inf- uh, as an influence in my life. And uh, so I converted from atheism to Christianity just because someone preached the gospel to me. Wow! I grew, grew up in a really kind of confused home culturally. Uh, my father. Uh, though he loved me, only had an eighth grade education, was a ex-con, um, and uh, it just didn't really know how to teach me to be a man. He taught me a couple things. I remember, like, he told me, um, "Son, if anyone gives you trouble, punch them in their nose as hard as you can because it'll make their eyes water." So that was a, a bit of wisdom I carried with me <laughs> through life, but. um then I, uh, as I became a Christian, I got more and more into the ministry and ended up being a junior high youth pastor and a youth pastor and then eventually a church planner. Uh, but the masculinity stuff really came from – me going to college and I was in, it was either, I think it was sociology actually. In sociology, they had this uh, picture of this oiled up black bodybuilder that they showed to this African tribe. And this African tribe said, man, that is a big woman, right? <laughs> so just this idea that huh. they would perceive that as a, as a woman, it was fascinating to me. And in, in that same uh, course, they talked about how hair gel, and purses, how they were marketed to men. Basically, they had saturated the female marketplace and they're had they already making all these things. They wanted to find a way to sell to men. So it just got me into that. I started reading it. I I also started my Christian faith with reading uh, Augustine's Confessions was one of the first Christian books I ever read. So I read a lot of the early church fathers, whether it was Cyprian and Origen and uh, all those guys. And those guys, uh, Clement, you get both of the Clements, uh, Alexandria and Rome, as you get into the early church fathers, they 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 care about matter a lot. They care about physicality a lot, and they have uh, very much um, anthropology at the forefront of their mind, especially as the, the Gnostic heresy starts to rear its head and guys like… Um, Justin Martyr is taking them on or whatever. So I had that influence and I had the kind of the the cultural influence and I got real interested in sexuality for that reason. At a Mm. practical level, though, uh, what happens with a lot of men is that uh, they know that they want a woman, right? Their sex drive pushes them that direction. So they go and get married and then they have a baby and Mm. then they realize, I don't know especially if it's a son, how to, to raise a son. And then through that experience, a lot of guys start to realize that they have they have a lot of masculinity deficiencies. They have a lot of daddy issues. All that stuff starts to rise to the surface in a lot of guys, and that certainly happened with me as well. Uh, and that's where I started to read books on marriage and fatherhood. I just wanted to be a good husband, want to be a good father, do a good job, and that has kind of been a lifelong interest. And then a couple years ago maybe five, I started to notice some real significant changes in the culture as I counseled young men that a lot of the advice I was giving them didn't seem to translate and they're being frustrated. And, uh, so I wanted to see, I thought, you know, are they full of it? Are they, you know, and that seems to be the attitude of a lot of boomer pastors that these, you know, young guys just don't get it or whatever. Um, I was talking actually to a very famous pastor and he was telling me how he um, he really liked this waitress that he, see, he saw every day. She was a Christian. She was a pretty girl. So he took these two guys with him uh, to go have breakfast in hopes that one of them would uh, sweep this young lady off her feet. But he said, yeah, they just hid behind their menus the whole time. He's like, I'm done with them, right? These guys. And so he was frustrated. But what he, I don't think he uh, understood that there was a possibility that they just didn't know what to do. Right. Right. <laughs> they, they've lived their whole life mediated through uh, screens. Mm-hmm. They've grown up in a sort of Me Too sexual harassment culture. Um, they've perhaps grown up without fathers. They haven't seen these things um, actually demonstrated for them because masculinity can't really be uh, just taught by podcasts and books. It's got to be caught by spending time with real world examples. So this yeah, guy didn't right. know that. And so as I I listened to these guys, I thought, you know, what if these young guys are right? What if if women have been uh, changed? What if the relationship marketplace has really changed due to the internet and kind of the general uh, flow of culture in America? And so that's how I found out about Jordan Peterson. Everyone was into Jordan Peterson. You know, that's not really my speed, but everyone was talking about him. So I was like, all right, so… Back then, I worked part-time for a church and part-time for myself. I actually owned a comic book business at the time. So while I was packing up comics, I just listened to hours and hours of – Peterson and then I got into the uh, anti-feminist uh, with like Karen Strawn and hmm. uh, the Red Pill content and uh, the sort of pickup artist content that all these guys were talking about. I'm like, why are Christian men going to these non-Christian sources? And as I listened to them, what I realized is a lot of these non-Christian sources, while they had uh, significant problems, right, that departures from Christian theology, uh, what really stuck out to me is that they did have a kind of a doctrine of the body, right? Now they might reduce man down to a meat machine, right—a right? biological machine. That's wrong, but nonetheless, just by observing God's design and creation, they were getting a lot of things right that we weren't hearing uh, from our pulpits in evangelical churches. And and to be fair to churches, at, at one level, it's not churches' jobs to teach you to be a man, right? right. That's your that's your dad's job, but. Right. When you're living in a crisis like we are right now, um, you certainly don't want to undermine a right understanding of sexuality because sexuality is everything, everything. There's nothing I do that my sexuality doesn't affect. I'm a man, right? Just like there's nothing a woman does that doesn't affect – or her sexuality doesn't affect. Like to be –
0: meaning the fact that you're a man everything that you do you're doing as a man you that that's everything never everything I do like yeah, i have yeah.
1: like i have i have a different genetic makeup than right women, right? Right, like, right? I have different hormones. I have different drives. So we Yes, right. we share a ton in common because uh, to be man is to be spirit and body. And the yeah. body comes in, you know, we come in var- varieties, female, male, right? And right. so this idea that it's like w- there's anything in our life that's androgynous uh, is is a bit of a misnomer, right? Mm. Um, and yeah. so... As I started to study this stuff, I thought they were really on to some good advice. I tried some of it in my own life to see if it would improve aspects of my
0: marriage. And They meaning uh, Jordan uh, Peterson the, the, and the, the secular? The, the, kind of the
1: secular pagan masculinists that are okay. out there in the manosphere. Right. Um, Manosphere just being, and that term gets thrown around, people use it a little different, but Manosphere being uh, kind of a collection of, of YouTube channels, social media accounts, and blogs that were speaking for men, again, in reaction to the feminizing of uh, of Western culture, right? So it's okay. not just a pro men, but they're also anti-feminism. Probably those two things come right. together, to making okay. Manosphere, so… Okay, so that's how we got into it and that's it's, it's good to be a man really took it uh, shape from uh, that sort of content we wanted to look at it and say what let's give a biblical answer to this what has the church been saying throughout church history what does the confession say uh, what's some work we can put into this to be helpful to men so they're not um, exorbing like Peterson's Jungian Archetypes and uh, right. heavy dualism that comes across right. in his books. You know, I know he he appears to be going a better, increasingly better direction, and praise God for that. But those mm-hmm. early works actually have some pretty severe problems. As do like pick, pickup artistry. Pickup artistry defines your manhood by your ability to get sex. That's pretty pathetic, right? right? Yeah. So,
0: so there's you know the, the there's this world of the manosphere, and by the way, I've got um, Augustine's Confessions right here. I've got this beautiful old. I don't know when this copy was from, 1940 something, but um incredible book. I can totally see how uh studying that would would really shape and form you as you know, as you're on that journey. Um, my my interest is where that journey has led you. So it's good to be a man, is it's in a lot of ways, I see a lot of connections to like some of the other, like, like the Jordan Petersons or like some of the uh uh secular or, or non-Christian manosphere um, thinkers out there. And there's a Christian manosphere as well, if you will. I mean, I've had um, uh, Jarrett Samuels is a friend of mine. He's down in Indianapolis. He's got Pursuit of Manliness. I don't know if he put himself in the manosphere um, realm, but he's, you know, he's writing about biblical manliness and manhood. Um, and yet, if I could say so, it's good to be a man has a a very distinct, very unique flavor to it. It's very interesting, man. It's it's um I don't know if it's got if it's the edge that it has. I don't know if it's just what what influences have shaped your own thinking. I don't know if it's the combination of you and non-tenant together, who's your your co-founder, um, I believe. But but what is it that gives it's good to be a man, it's distinct uniqueness and and why not just you know link up with some of these guys who are already in that christian manosphere um why create your own thing
1: well uh, to be to be frank when i went out that i wanted this i was looking for content that i could recommend uh okay. when we started this project uh, about two years ago now um and what i saw out there wasn't addressing a lot of the issues um or had a lot of so for example, uh, manhood is almost completely defined in the Christian realm by man's benefit to woman, right? Mm. Um, you'll hear that all the time, especially if people would bring up uh, you know Ephesians and talking about how you know Christ laid his life down for the church and husbands should lay down uh, their life uh, for their wives or whatever right, right? Right. Well actually Christ laid down his life, for the mission of God, for the glory of God, which involved uh, redeeming right the bride and presenting her to god spotless like first Mm -hmm. off what's the like the the goal of history isn't the church it's the glory of god amen and and so and the purpose of a husband isn't his wife it's the glory of god so i've heard people say that men are disposable no they're not um the reason we stay on the ship when it's sinking and let the women and children get into the boat is because our legacy and mission is more important than our very lives. That's what our lives are for. That's what we spill our blood for. That's why we're willing to die. That's why we're willing to sacrifice, because we're working towards something bigger than ourselves. And it's that's not distinct
0: that- from women, then? Women, the, uh, you would say that the mission of women is... Well, uh, help me understand the difference there. So the, the mission not of men-
1: from women in the sense that uh, women still are are part of this greater uh, mission as well. But one way to think about it is that, first off, uh, Adam wasn't brought to Eve. He was brought to Adam. And, right. and Paul thinks that's significant that Adam was created first. People say, oh, well, the animals came to Adam first. Well, those are mockers that hate God if you say (laughs) that because uh, Paul thinks it's significant and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, so they're wrong. Paul's right. Um, What
0: point are they trying to make with that by saying that?
1: Oh, they're just trying to mock the created order is all they're trying to do. You'll see this in um, uh, groups like CBE, um, Christians for Biblical Equality or whatever. It's just really lazy, poor Hermeneutics, You know, um, okay. like Paul Duet, you'll see it kind of spring up in there in some of his writings. Nonetheless, my point is that Eve is brought to Adam. Right. So mm-hmm. one way to think about how how we relate to God via a mission is that uh, the picture of the sun, the earth, the moon, God is the sun. And man would be the earth. He goes around, man goes around the earth just like or the sun, just like the moon goes around the sun. But the moon is in a kind of a suborbit around the earth as well. And so the woman, so God's the sun, man's the earth, woman is the moon. That's how women participate in the mission through the man most generally. That's why women are looking want to get on the back of the motorcycle of like kind of the bad guy or whatever, right? Yeah, the guy yeah, that's yeah. going somewhere. Women are looking for adventure. They're looking for a good time. This is why marriages can kind of lose some of their flavor. As men get married to a woman, they'll settle in and kind of lose their adventurousness. Like they'll give mm-hmm. up on their body. Like I hear a lot of guys talking about women giving up on their body. That's true. They do do that. But a lot of times it's in reaction to a man, just losing a sense of passion and adventure. Women want to have a good time, right? They mm-hmm. want to And they they experience it through a man. So another example uh, to prove this, I know everyone needs a verse. They need a verse, but I'm not going to give you one. Grow up. Chapter and Um, verse.
0: Chapter and verse. Come on. That's
1: right. Yeah, those 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 things are what 600 years old Um, in terms of breaking down scripture that way. Uh, Think of it this way: if if a guy tells you he has a new girlfriend, one of the first things you're going to ask your guy friend is like, "What does she look like?" Right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. Um, now, a woman will ask that same question too, but she'll be especially concerned, like, "What does he do for a living?" Right?
0: Right. <laughs> and right. So,
1: and there's this sense that, like, women are ambitious for their man because that's how they participate in the mission of God. So, it's not that women don't participate in the mission uh, or in a secondary way, but there is a kind of an order to the cosmos. There's a structure and a hierarchy to things. Yeah. Um, and so that's what's going on there. So, a guy will give up his life to save his wife and child. And that's normal. The wife will give up her life to save the child. You see how there's like there's a a derivative nature to all this.
0: Yeah, and- but there's something very unnatural about a, a wife jumping in front of the bullet for her husband. Exactly. That just that's just wrong. That just it feels wrong. No. I believe I could support that biblically, but isn't that kind of what the fracas is about? Uh, pregnant women in the military right now, as we record this, there's this whole brouhaha. Tucker Carlson made some comments about women, pregnant women specifically in the military. Isn't that kind of what that debate is about?
1: Absolutely. It's evil. It's evil. It's not natural at all. And so someone will say, what about JL driving the spike through someone's head? Well, first off, that happened in her tent she's still keeping house.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: She's still, and she's one, make no mistake. She sets up, she's setting up her, her tent with those spikes and stuff. So even when she kills that guy, she's using the tools of a, of a homekeeper. Right. And so this idea like, well, that means we're to put women into battle. That's crazy. You know, right. And I asked a woman, one woman said, well, how, how different are, are men and women? And I said, well, hit me as hard as you can in my face. And I'll hit you as hard as I can in your face, right? (laughs) And uh, the difference is, I don't know if you can move my face. You might Mm -hmm. be able to. This particular woman. Uh, There's some women out there that could, right? Sure, but um, but uh, I rather fight Ronda Ronda Rousey than like Anderson Silva. (laughs) Like if Mm -hmm. I if I have a choice, yeah, I'm picking her. Right, right, Right. like uh, uh, but um, there's. your differences, right?
0: JL is such a great example because um, I think I preached on her, or maybe I just preached that whole story uh, a few years back. But JL, you're absolutely right, Michael. She was, she was in her. She was in a domestic environment. She was clearly very adept at setting up the tent. She knew how to wield a spike and a hammer. You know, she, she had probably set up her tent herself. And then what does she do? She offers hospitality to the guy. Uh, What's it? Sisera, you know, he comes in, she lulls him to sleep with milk instead of water. So she's, she's uh very comfortable in 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 that domestic environment. And I think the reason why people point her out is they go, oh, but see, but she killed a man. There's nothing weak about that. And it's like, well, who said that domesticity is weak? Now th- that that's not uh that's that's not the argument. Physically, um, on average, yeah, women are weaker, but there's nothing like more spiritually or mentally weak about operating in the in the domestic sphere i think jl um is a good example to prove that but I, people are barking up the wrong tree if they're they're thinking they're going to get a gotcha on someone by going ah see see she wasn't weak after all it's like well yeah, no one said she was but don't put her on the front line
1: well i mean the thing too it's it's a great example it's a it's a difference between um uh a uh, uh, A coffee mug and a wine goblet right it's about Mm. appropriate use so i can take a coffee mug and and it can bounce around the bottom of my car right for weeks right right. and maybe get a little chip on it okay uh if i put a wine goblet down there that that sucker is going to be done um at the uh end of the day but it's it's an issue of purpose right and the wine goblet is is fine for when it's used properly, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you don't treat them the same. There's a distinction and purpose. And, and so it's true in the sexes. Like I've been there for the birth of all my children. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's incredible what, how, what a woman can do, you know? And I, I think about, um, my wife and my kids. So we've got we've we've had eight kids and we have seven now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my kids can be pretty loud and pretty intense. And as a man, like I used to tell guys, I rather fight three men blindfolded than be left with a crying baby <laughs> because the I can't I I'm not ashamed of trying to soothe the baby, but a lot of times it just wants its mom. And I can't, I'm not, and my wife can take so much noise, so much stress Mm. and still be sweet and be a nurturer. She has like a higher breaking point than I do where I'm like, shut up, shut up. You know, I just like, be quiet. What's wrong with you kids? (laughs) So who's stronger? Who's weaker? Well, man, it's, who's stronger or weaker between a screwdriver and a hammer? It depends what you're trying to do. And so this conversation, and this also is part of the problem with the whole sexual conversation is that, it always presupposes that there's a competition between the sexes.
0: Correct, that's right. And which, once you deal is, with
1: that, you're just like, well, um, can I compete with, there's areas, like for example, if you've had kids, Girls are going to beat the snot out of boys in linguistics early in their life. Always, it's amazing. Like you, you get these little three-year-old, four-year-old girls, and it's almost like they're quoting Shakespeare, right? <laughs> and your boy is like, "Cheese, please. I gotta go pee pee." You're like, your little <laughs> girls are like, "Let's slip the dogs of war." You know, it's just amazing yeah, right. how um, how articulate girls are and how they develop in certain areas. So there's just differences between the sexes, and that's good and that's fine. That's how god made them and so uh, we have to put aside the, the war of the sexes the war of the sexes is a satanic uh attack on the design of god that goes back to the fall so god makes adam and then god from adam uh makes eve and they both are over the creation so the flow of authority is god to adam and then Adam to Eve, and then mankind as a whole over creation. That's the that's the hierarchy. Then in the fall, what do you have? Well, I think one of the significant reasons that Satan comes in the form of a serpent is to overturn the creation of no, the created order. So the serpent comes right. to Eve, right? And Eve should have had people said, Where's Adam? Well, fair enough, but Eve also had authority over the creation, right? Right. And so the serpent comes to Eve, then Eve to Adam, and then God calls Adam out, and, and Adam says, "Oh, well, it's your fault, right? It's a complete flipping of the created order. So he attacked the nature of hierarchy, the nature of the cosmos, the nature of sexuality and anthropology on purpose. And yeah. so and- androgyny is always at the core of paganism, always, hmm. Right, And it's because – and Peter Jones has done good work on this – is because androgyny looks at creation and makes creation uh, a deity. So everything is part of the one. Everything exists on a spectrum, and they're all ultimately blurred or interchangeable, whereas Mm -hmm. Christianity by its very nature is binary. There's a god who is separate, but made the creation and Christianity is binary and there's day, there's night, and then there's land and water. And then there is man and woman and binary sexuality is part of God's good design and Satan to confuse those things made this attack on the nature of those relationships. And he still is trying to pit the sexes against each other to this very day.
0: Yeah. And it's, it is anti-creation. And, um, you know, it's funny what you mentioned with, uh, you know, kids. So the, the linguistic thing that you mentioned, I, I do know that, um, statistically speaking, women use something like, like three times or four times as many words in a day as men. Um, I will say with our kids, our firstborn son, Jacob is very verbose, always has been talked early, talks a lot, but, um, but I, I've seen the differences. So like, like uh, our our second born Anna Sophia, she no one had to teach her this. She loves to help. She loves to help cook. She loves to find things. She, if I need something done with our 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 toddler, um, more often than not, I'm going to ask her, you know, uh, because she loves caretaking. She loves, um, uh, she's a very giving person. Whereas our boys, it's like you know, I learned this early on when I want when I want um. Ana Sophia to do something, I'll phrase it like this, Michael. I'll say, um, Hey, the family really needs your help. We need your help with this. And she'll, and, and that, that lifts her spirits, that motivates her with my boys. If I say that, that does nothing for them. I have to say, boys, I have a mission for you. And that perks them up and they go, all right, what's the mission dad? Okay, here we go. You know, and it's just that simple, uh, that simple change in phrase. One taps into my daughter's, um, uh, femininity, her her girlness, and the other one taps into uh, my boy's, you know, budding manliness mm-hmm. in yep. seed form, you know. So it's Absolutely. really, it's really. I, I don't, have you noticed anything like that with your kids?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, so it's. I mean, so sometimes my boys, uh, plays with, well, I have one of my boys, he was playing with dolls at one point, mm-hmm. but even with his dolls, they're like jumping off the couch and there's like an explosion yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, they're very different. Like for Galilee, uh, is my, uh, eldest daughter. She's always catching animals. Right, like catching like lizards and stuff. I had to say, hey, you know some snakes are poisonous. Will you please not just grab everything? Right. But she she catches them because she thinks they're cute and she wants to nurture them and take care of them. Right. So someone might say, well, she's being a tomboy. No, that's like that's that's kind of sloppy. Um. Simplistic ways of looking at the sex. No, she's still right. being a girl, very much. Even her motives for it. Where Athanasius, my second-born son, he's gonna it like means. he's gonna go shoot things and kill them and catch fish. He'll catch a fi- gal if she caught a fish. Would probably want to like keep it in a a, a tank somewhere. Athan <laughs> would want to gut it right there and cook it over a fire. It's just they
0: right.
1: just different, and and so it's you know it's kind of like IQs. Um so the average IQ for both sexes is right about a hundred, okay but, there's more male geniuses than female geniuses. There's also more male idiots <laughs> than female <laughs> idiots. And all, every guy, we think, yeah, that seems I I know a lot of really dumb guys. But most mm-hmm. girls I know are at least middle of the line, right? Yeah, yeah. And So it's an issue of distribution. So even though the average is all the same, the distribution is kind of different. So with a lot of things between the sexes, we're not saying that the, anything a girl does or a boy does, you might find that present in some other – the, the opposite sex. But in mm-hmm. terms of general distribution, it does break out differently and it's predictable based on their sexuality. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we should take this time now and define some of our terms. Um, so how do you define masculinity manliness and uh and even patriarchy
1: well let's go with the easiest one first so patriarchy literally just means father rule so when we talk about patriarchy we're talking about it at a sort of cosmic level that god has made men to lead uh that men are the leaders of the home and they're the leader uh, and therefore the leaders of the church and the state because the state or society is a collection of households ultimately that's how you get society so the idea that men would be the leaders in the home but that would somehow uh, not be true in society is is kind of hard to, to get to, just even logically. And certainly historically, when you look at it, you can look at Steven Goldberg's Why Men Rules, which was originally entitled The Inevitability of Patriarchy, and that book is endorsed by Margaret Mead. Margaret Mead is probably one of the most famous anthropologists of all time, and very much a feminist. Yet, she said it was a great study, and in that book, Goldberg demonstrates that the idea of a matriarchal society is an absolute fiction, and it's never existed If you want to see it, the only way you're going to be able to do it is to watch Wonder Woman, right? But you're not going to find it in history because it doesn't exist. There might be like some sort of um, uh, like little blip on the screen for like a decade or something. But the only time you ever have a queen is when you don't have a king. Right there's no there's no history of a married couple ruling like a royal couple, and it's the queen that rules in spite of the you know the king. At least the king will be the figurehead. So throughout all of history, not just in Christianity, but in all of creation, patriarchy is the norm. Men rule, so that's natural. Now what
0: just about because- what about England though? Because in England, they can have a queen, um, and Queen Elizabeth the I- first. Established this principle that the husband of the queen is not necessarily the king. So even today, you've got Queen Elizabeth II, and her husband is—is is he called? Isn't he called a duke? He's like the Duke of Windsor.
1: Yeah, I, you know? I honestly don't—I don't know that. I would say though that is very exceptional, and even sure. like in, in historical terms, going back to Elizabeth is not that that far. Yeah, you know, and so you might find some of these exceptional things in there. And I know that Goldberg, in his—he uh, wrote a. Expanded version of his book to, to deal with some of those cases. So, if someone, sadly, that book's super expensive right now. I guess I've been uh, promoting it too much. But uh, if you can find a copy of it, you, you ought to get it. It's a really good book. He's written a couple articles on it that you can find online. But um, what I would also say about patriarchy, though, Is that it's still very obvious that patriarchy is true because even today, who are the CEOs? They're overwhelmingly male. That's not to say there aren't any females, but everywhere you look at the highest uh, position, it's, it's still male on the whole. And it's going to be that way because it's part of creation. There's no way to, un- to undo it now. So saying patriarchy is natural isn't to say that every manifestation of patriarchy is good. That's not true. You're like, it's natural for men to have sex with women and women to have sex with men. Right. It's not natural for men to have sex with men and women sex with women. But that doesn't mean when we get to the natural sort of sex, heterosexuality, that every manifestation of heterosexuality is virtuous or good, right? For a man to have sex with a woman outside of marriage is fornication and evil. Mm -hmm. So you can actually have something natural that is bad. And patriarchy is the same way. So we know patriarchy can be evil. There is a sort of patriarchy that must be smashed. And you can even understand the biblical narrative as a dueling patriarchy. And uh, one way to point this out is that Satan is what? The father of lies. Right. Your father is the devil. Mm. Right? So there's an evil patriarchy. You can wow. see another form of evil patriarchy when you look through Pharaoh. So Pharaoh when he he sees a threat coming up in the israelites who does he kill he kills the future patriarchs right, right. the firstborn sons right. and, and and then who who is uh, what does exodus call israel my firstborn son israel mm. right so it really is a battle between uh, two two men in a sense two and fathers. so yeah, two fathers. And this is uh, an evil patriarchy, will always try to either um, divert or destroy the upcoming men. And, and this is a point that J.C. Ryle makes in uh, Thoughts for Young Men, that he always says Satan prizes young men more than anyone because he knows that the future of society is with them. If you can get the men, you can control society. So when I talk about patriarchy, I'm not saying like everything that men do is good or every form of patriarchy is good. First, I'm saying patriarchy is natural. And if you look at someone like uh, Bavink and you read his Reformed Dogmatics, Bavink will talk about how if you're and this is me riffing on Bavinck he says grace restores nature right so but i think evangelicals say grace eliminates nature right evangelicals think like when you become a christian your masculinity and femininity just disappear and you're like this androgynous spirit and right. then and then you get some of some other versions of Christianity where maybe Roman Catholic and to some degree Eastern Orthodox would have grace elevating um, uh, nature and actually changing human nature where someone like Bavink, who's reformed would say, no, it's restoring the nature that was there. So mm-hmm. when we come to God through the sun, um, we, our nature is, is made new, right? We're new creations yeah. and that, and that, those natural inclinations are now reordered according to the glory of God. And that's something I definitely picked up from um, Augustine, right? Augustine uh, wanted to see those, you know, uh, things perfected by grace and, and made whole. And so that's, when we're talking about patriarchy, that's what we're talking about.
0: Okay. uh, What you just said reminded me of, there's this scene in um, the great divorce by C.S. Lewis, where uh, there's this, this visitor, the books you know about people from hell going up and visiting heaven, and there's this visitor from hell who goes up into heaven, and he's got this little uh, demon lizard on his shoulder that's um, that's kind of uh, hindering him and, and hampering him, hounding him, and uh, an angel or, or someone, a divine being, is allowed to slay the thing, and in the process, it dies and the guy dies, but then they're reborn and the the little lizard is like reborn as, I have to go back and look, but it's like a stallion or like this beautiful white horse. And it's like, well, I didn't expect that to happen. But the idea is God's grace doesn't just do away with our desires and turn us into, you know, like these, these Buddhist archetypes where we just have no desires. Instead, it takes our desires. It takes our nature and it restores them and transforms them and uh, rehabilitates them and turns them in, into something good and godly and awesome. And so, uh, you know, I I, I I hear I hear what you're saying, man. It's a powerful, powerful thing. I agree. Um, so, so that's patriarchy. So, what about masculinity and and manliness?
1: Oh, we created, we got a definition somewhere, everyone, their definitions, like, like, we don't know what it means to be a a woman or a man, but because the world has gotten this Aspergian, let me give you the definition we came up with. So this is, we said our starting point, manhood is what a male enters into when his body and mind reach maturity. It is undertaking the work of dominion. Uh, God made him for striving to rightly order himself in the world by developing the virtues and skills necessary to this task, especially strength, workmanship and wisdom. Manhood is ultimately about a man building God's house by building his own. Hmm. That's how we define it for people that love definitions. That's on our Facebook page. But, you know, um, I think. Uh, trying to—it's always again. We like how are men different from women. The, it, it's in the distribution of things and our and our kind of general demeanor. Uh, I like uh, what uh, some of the Mormons have actually come up with. Mormons kind of run the manosphere. If the art of manliness, right, was started by a Mormon, and mm-hmm. he has—he right. he says the three P's: right, protect, preside, and provide. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Like men are the ones that we're we're built to protect like we have a bigger frame we have got testosterone in us that makes us more aggressive Mm -hmm. uh we are meant to preside we are leaders like any man knows that uh generally children will listen to their father better than the mother and it it, it sucks that it's like that yeah. you'll come home and the kids are like kind of like terrorizing mom mm-hmm. and as a man that's that's a that's a failure of your leadership right that can mm-hmm. but you come home and you're just like stop it you pick it up now you go do this. And then they like scatter and they do exactly what
0: do, right? and, <laughs> right, and it's right. because
1: God has um, given authorities, delegated authority to us to lead our households. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's natural. That's built into things. And then we are to provide, right? We like men love to produce and make things and give gifts, right? They're all yeah. about that. And that's why like, um, so one of the, the most evil forms of, so women don't like men, that are players that have sex with them and don't make a commitment. Okay. Right. right? Those guys, they, they can't stand them because the woman opens himself up to vulnerability of getting pregnant, the vulnerability of being known as a uh, loose woman, a man. What he doesn't like is he doesn't like a woman that is a gold digger, right? You'll hear mm-hmm. this like Kanye. Warned us all years ago, but men will talk about that a lot. And so when men talk about divorce, they're very upset that they lose half their stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's because men know it's their responsibility to provide. And they also they want to know that their wife is uh, has a, a gratitude and a thankfulness for that. And will actually take those things and not just consume them, but mm-hmm. multiply them through her effort. And then women are these incredible multipliers, right? Like a guy gives a uh, his wife a little bit of sperm. And she gives them back a human being, right? It's amazing. <laughs> right. A, a guy gives woman yeah. um flour and she makes bread. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, that's not a career woman. What it is is the husband's done a good job at providing her the raw assets that she needs the resources that she needs and now she's taken it and she's expanded his home Mm -hmm. and so when the sexes work together the guy basically pushes the boundaries of the household out right he he takes the wilderness he pushes the wilderness out and creates a safe place for the woman to do her amazing work right yeah
0: all all i all i hear right now michael I, i just hear bigoted uh this is all this is all totally uh uh, anti-woman and and totally bigot. I don't know how you could believe things this intolerant and uh, uh, totally. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't even pretend. No, this is one wonder- Why do people have a problem with this?
1: I don't know, man. I guess the, <laughs> just drinking too much wine with their cats alone in their house, or <laughs> that's it. Looking at too much porn and playing video games. You know, seriously, tell you what, when those people die, my kids are going to still be around, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll will beat them, man.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Planning <laughs> to man. win.
0: This is, I mean, but the 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 biblical the interaction and coordination between the sexes is such a powerful thing. This is how you build civilizations. That's right. And 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 denying it is how you undo civilizations.
1: Um that's what's happening, right? That's, that's it.
0: That's what's happening. Man, just just in the interest of moving things along, because I really want to respect your time here. Do you think? Um, do you think? That, well, you you alluded to this earlier. Is the Western world facing a masculinity crisis?
1: Yes, it's facing a sexuality crisis that's okay. centered on men. Right. So, if you ever see the movie Patriot, there's that one oh, part yeah. where. Uh, uh, Mel Gibson tells his kids to shoot shoot the officers, right? And cause Mm -hmm. disarray. That's how he gets his son back. And so if you take out the leaders that causes disarray strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter right and so there's been an a attack on men to demoralize men and and remove from men uh masculinity like you you see it in the culture right you see that the way fathers are depicted you're really hard pressed to find an example of a good dad matter of fact i was thinking about this like who's been the best dad in sitcoms in a long time i don't watch many modern sitcoms Mm -hmm. but i think probably uncle phil (laughs) on fresh Oh principal. yeah, he's actually a really good dad, he right? He's manly, he's hardworking, he's got good presence. He can't be pushed around. And there's that there's that wonderful episode. It's actually really emotional if you come from a broken family where Will's biological dad just doesn't really care about him. Hmm. And you, it's worth to look up on YouTube. He's like, yo, man, why doesn't he care about me? I don't need him. And Uncle hmm. Phil just loves him. And so it's this picture of a guy that can get it done. You write a guy that's strong, but has emotions for every uncle Phil. There's a thousand Homer Simpsons or Ray Romano who can't tell his wife. No, right. You just go right down the list and there's this attack that, you know, or or I always talk about how I hate the two children's books. I hate more than anything is curious George. I hate Mm. curious George. He's the worst. I want curious George. (laughs) I want the man. I want to, I'm going to write a book called uh curious george and the matches and the man in the yellow hat says hey george don't play with the matches and right. then the next page is just the house is burnt and george is dead <laughs> right the right. other book i don't like is berenstein bears
0: i can't stand berenstein bears for oh come on come on berenstein bears no nah, i don't i don't
1: apologize at all really it, dad dad is always like another one of the kids he always is this screw up and mama's always like
0: having to put up with dumb dad oh you're right he's like he's like a he's like a uh, ursine homer simpson in a lot of yeah he is and he's
1: not as bad as some of them but you pick up on this stuff in our culture yeah and it it slips in and there's this constant like demeaning of men and uh, and so it demoralizes men and men have a hard time uh, of taking leadership. They feel bad, you know, and yeah. then, then you get into the porn problem, right? So mm-hmm. the, see, the problem with porn, there's many problems, but in uh, there's two Proverbs 31 women. People always forget that, right? And yeah. verse three, the queen mother says, his son, do not give your strength to women. And the Hebrew sense there, of course, these are immoral women. And there's women that will take your sexual strength and give nothing back, right? So the Proverbs 31 woman, the good one, is the multiplier of male strength, right? He gives to her and she makes more. The Proverbs uh, 31 woman uh, that's evil is talked about throughout the book. She's a woman that pulls down her own household. She's a consumer, right? She commits adultery and wipes her mouth and says she's done no wrong. So there's all sorts of versions of that. But any woman that you give your sex to and you get nothing back, is is bad. And men are giving their sexual energy to pornography and it's demoralizing them. And it's I think it's how the state controls men. I think one of the easiest ways, I think it's why our free speech allows pornography, because it keeps men um it keeps men very pacified.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh Doug Wilson talks about how it's a bribe. It and I don't know if he came up with that idea, but um no, it was maybe Chesterton who said uh sex is is like the first bribe offered to a slave or something like that. it's very true. Michael Jones
1: is kind of out there, but he wrote a really good, he he wrote a lot of stuff on it. And I think he makes a good uh, argument on how pornography is a way to enslave the masses. Mm -hmm. And you, it's funny. You see like uh, Satan try to use women against men a lot in the old Testament, whether it's Eve against Adam, Delilah against Samson, or even the Hebrew midwives against uh, the Israelites you know and i was
0: just reading in numbers that's what balaam did when balaam couldn't curse israel he taught balak to uh have was it the midianite women or or you know the the uh, the canaanite women to basically seduce the israelite men and and uh, lead them astray and that was how they were able to cause israel to fall they couldn't beat them militarily
1: i actually think uh that a lot of people misunderstand not, and I disagree on this <laughs> pretty strongly, but um, I think uh, Genesis six is not about uh, demon babies and angels. I think it's really, the beginning of a very important theme that builds throughout the old Testament, which is apostasy through interreligious marriages. Mm. And so in other words, I do think what you have is the godly Sethites uh, being corrupted in the way. Cause when uh, Genesis six talks about, and they are corrupted, like, well, it's not, they're all sinners already. So what was corrupted? Mm. Well, probably the way of worship that apparently, uh, Abel and Sethites were keeping whatever that was back then. You know they made these offerings, uh, but they were corrupted by these women and they were led away. And if you think about the patriarchs, Abraham's like, "Don't, don't let them marry the, the foreign women, right? right?" That happens over and over and over again. And then it has this huge point all the way up in Malachi where God's like, "Look, what did I desire for marriage but a godly seed? And you guys are marrying these foreign women." And then that plays off all the way up in the Corinthians talking about. What what does uh, light have to do with darkness? Right? Don't join yourself. It's a big yeah, hmm.
0: yeah. I'm I'm with you on all those other threads, but I can't go with you on the uh, the nephilim. I do think I'm probably going to side with none on that. I think it's uh, yeah. the uh, the the sons of God. You know the the angelic beings. But I definitely see that thread you're talking about through we scripture. Both are wrong. It's okay though. Hey, you know what? Pray for us, man. Pray for I. Us. I do. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving right along here. Um, is there uh, because we're because we're Christians, we'd be totally remiss if I if we didn't ask this question. What connection exists between biblical masculinity and the gospel? Because I don't want to go an episode without directing our listeners. And we do have non Christians who watch this. I've got some people who watch the show out of spite to try to catch me saying the wrong thing. Um, I've we've got atheists connected with the channel. We've got a lot of of Christians, um, a lot of Christians who are sort of rediscovering their faith, if you will. Um, So I do not want to miss this, Michael. When we're talking about biblical masculinity, is this an issue that you see as being separate from the gospel of Jesus Christ, or do you see a connection between biblical manhood, biblical masculinity, and the gospel of Jesus Christ?
1: well yeah just think through it like i mean what what does the fall involve but a federal head being a man adam failing right Mm. Uh, what does redemption involve? Does it involve a man? It does. Jesus is a fully human and to be fully human is to be male or female. To reject the truth of binary sexuality is to do damage to a cardinal doctrine of Christianity, which is the full humanity of Jesus Christ, right? He has has the uh, he's 100% God, 100% man. Jesus in the resurrection has a real body that's resurrected. He'll be male forever. Um, What is it but the son reconciling us all to the Father and being adopted into the family, right? How do we understand the church but a household of faith that we all brought into and an inheritance we have uh, through our elder brother Jesus, right? The whole thing sexually charged is Jesus uh, a husband to the bride of the church? Like how in the world do you get to any of the go- uh, the gospel without talking about these things? You can't, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. no. That's, so I think it's
1: absolutely central. It's the uh, vernacular of the gospel is sexuality.
0: Man, powerful stuff, and and really explains why the enemy would be seeking to undermine the gender binary and uh, the reality of of sex and and of those roles. It makes it makes perfect sense. By doing so, you undermine our ability. You even you even prevent us from being able to share the gospel because now there's all this other pre work we have to do. That's right. So yep. incredible. And a lot of
1: people have trouble with Christianity because they had bad dads, right? You hear that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. right um they had a really bad dad and the idea of god as a, fa- a father is not always um uh a good thing at the to, in their mindset because they had a bad father
0: yeah i i ran into somebody on um on the street i was out doing street preaching for my first time really first real time uh down in New orleans earlier this or uh, last month and you know i'm i'm out there preaching i'm sharing the gospel and a guy just straight up said no you know what my dad was a pastor. I had that stuff crammed down my throat my whole childhood. And you could just see the disdain, you know, in his. Now, uh, that guy's trying to use his dad as an excuse. He still has to reckon with God himself, but he has a barrier to overcome. I don't know what his childhood was like. Maybe his dad was a great guy, but at the very least, that's what he attributed his faithlessness to. So, um, man, you're right. Well, I you're right can about tell
1: you that. a great story about that. Um, Please. So, I, when I first became a Christian, I did a lot of straight evangelism. Um, I don't really do much anymore, but I was in um, Florence Mall. Actually, I just went there with my girlfriend now wife to buy something, Florence Mall in Florence, Kentucky. And this guy, uh, this was like back when <laughs> everyone was wearing black and chains and like oh, yeah. the, the dumb studded bracelets, you know, all these. Hot topic. Yeah, that's right. It was a hot topic. You know, these pasty white kids from the suburbs want to show how bad they are. Uh, so anyway, yeah. this guy had this uh, t-shirt on, and the back of it had a naked woman, uh, kind of crucified. She was like nailed to like a, a post, and he said, "I want to be like Satan." Mm. So anyway, being the sort of guy I was, I was like, "Hey, can I talk to you about your T-shirt?" And he was like, "Yeah." So I sat down with him and all his his tough, you know, tough guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super preppy at this time, you know, Dave Matthews and Bare Naked Ladies. I got like my flower shirt and fluffy blonde hair and a voice. It was <laughs> terrible. So I sit down with all these guys, kind of goth it ish sort of dudes mm-hmm. and i'm like you guys know satan loses right he loses to be like satan would be to go to hell forever and ever and so then we enter into your standard you know apologetic conversation what about the problem of evil mm. what about aliens what about clones you know like just on and on and on weird stuff yeah anyway i just kind of went apologetics a lot of times you're just trying to get through the smoke screen to the right. heart issue, and um a bunch of them start getting really mad at me but whatever i'm much bigger than all of them and the one guy was uh the kind of leader of the pack with the t-shirt you know he said, you know what you know what? if god's real if god's real why did my dad leave right why did he leave if god loves me so much why did you take my dad from me right? and it just gets to the heart of so many of these issues what's going on you know that um not to say that intellectual problems aren't real problems in a sort of apologetic discourse, but there's always a very strong moral element and relational element. And the idea that, and when I told him, I said, look, you don't have to be fatherless. You don't have to be right. It's like, God can be your father, right. And God loves orphans and God Mm -hmm. loves them, you know? And, and so all Mm -hmm. biblical sexuality, having your sex rightly ordered to, to, to kind of, bring this all together, starts with having God as your father, fearing God, and then your sexuality isn't a matter of selfishness or giving into your desires, but have, be being pleasing to your father because he saved you and you loved
0: him. Amen. Amen. Um, wow. <laughs> it's uh, incredible. It doesn't always those underlying reasons don't always come out so clearly in those apologetical conversations. So. No. Good to take a few questions. Yeah, I take a couple. Yep. Okay. So let's see what we've got here. I'll uh, we'll try to move through through these fairly quickly. I got a couple of them on Facebook, and then a few uh, have been entered in live as we've been speaking. So um here's one from. I'm assuming his name is pronounced Jesus. Otherwise, it's Jesus Garcia. Um, he asks, "Why don't they ban porn in this country?" Kind of a hypothetical question, but what do you think? Should porn be banned?
1: Absolutely. It's yeah. wicked. Yeah, it yeah, should be it should be banned. Um, I don't believe in the, that that sort of speech was banned for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like it goes back to Larry Flint right here outside uh, right here in Cincinnati is how they got it there. But I definitely think it's one way they used to control men and women. It's terrible.
0: Yeah, agreed. No question. Um, Noah Despain just mentioned that some people at his school were just debating this topic. So very timely episode. That's great, Noah man. I'm glad this is timely for you. Um, and I would encourage you to go look up it's good to be a uh, There's tons more content that Michael has on these on this topic. Um, Rick Anderson asks this: What, if any, um, issues do you think introverted men may have in pursuing? Biblical masculinity. And uh, he follows that up. He says, I see many depictions of masculinity to revolve around more extroverted types. So, does extroversion versus introversion play into manliness and uh, masculinity?
1: Well, it really depends what you mean by those categories. Those are newer categories, uh, popularized by Myers Briggs, right? Right. Um, so, probably the more masculine description. Uh, of Of a man's kind of emotional, historically speaking, his emotional um state is stoicism, right? A man controls his emotion. And so I think an introverted man uh, is a guy he could be he, he has the advantage of being a little more stoic. Right, it was like, he doesn't have to, I mean, also depends on how we define it. So in, introversion, the way it usually means is that you, uh, your energy is sapped through relationships where extroversion is that your energy is energized, right? You pick up. So if you mean it that way, then we're just talking about temperaments and I don't see how it plays a deep role in masculinity. I think there's men that do both, but if you're talking about being very emotional and like kind of outgoing or whatever, I would say the strong silent type is actually more of a male archetype. And the reasoning behind it, I think, is that men have to control their emotion because we have to stay cool under pressure. Um, I actually think teaching boys to cry is bad. Um, So there's a great quote that someone wants to take out of context. that I said that, but let me even explain what I mean by that is that uh there's a right time to cry right i cried when my daughter died right i cry um i've cried before when i've seen my son do some great things or or when some friend has apostatized the faith or whatever there's times to cry right um but teaching boys to let their emotions just go wild is dangerous because men are powerful Right, And men are violent. And uh, so if a man doesn't know how to control his emotions and he freaks out when he's bullied a little bit or whatever – I mean I was bullied in middle school. If he freaks out and he doesn't have a control of his emotions, he can then lash out violently with like – you know, guns and all this stuff. I honestly right. think some of the um, the feminization of men is actually leading to greater violence because we don't have control. So I think if by introverted, you mean that you're like less outgoing, I think you got an advantage on those of us that are uh, bigger, <laughs> flashier personalities. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful, but there you go.
0: Cool. Yeah, thanks for that. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, we've got one from... Um, Nate Werner, he says this, hi, Michael, what, do you think is more important? Men starting their own church when there aren't any good quality churches around or men seeking out existing churches to be discipled first?
1: Uh, Be discipled first. Like um, I think this great migration where people are moving around from churches is going to produce all sorts of lousy churches where guys don't realize Mm. uh, the qualities it takes to be a pastor. Uh, Being a good pastor is not easy. If you think it's standing up in front of people and just talking and sharing your thoughts, thoughts, you don't understand what the church is, and you're just going to make a bigger mess of things. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, men master something before they make themselves the master, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you want to be, a, to be a journeyman, you have to first be an apprentice. And yeah. so absolutely find a okay church, right? You don't have to find a perfect church. I think a lot of guys right now, part of the problem is they're idealists or what Bonhoeffer would call visionary dreamers. And so they have this perfect idea of a church out there. And so we have people moving to Batavia or talking about moving to Batavia to be part of East River. And when they know me through It's Good to Be a Man, it's it's always a deep concern uh, because I want to know whether or not they have this sort of like perfect idea of who I am Um, and and if they think our church is going to be all about masculinity because like – I. Like we don't enforce head coverings at our church, and we actually let women vote at our church, or we will. Like even though I prefer household voting, but you know I know how to choose my battles. I like to win, and uh, so if you want to find a place that ticks all your little boxes, you can find it. But really, find a place like I I went to a PCUSA church um, about. Fifteen years ago, and the PCUSA was liberal back then. That particular church had a pastor who was probably egalitarian, soft complementarian, but he did introduce me to Ian Murray, he got me reading the Puritan paperbacks, got me reading Banner of Truth. Wow. Uh, I grew immensely. um you did preach through the word and ask yourself, would you go, would you say, Hey, I, I know this great church in Corinth that you should go to. Would anyone say that? Right. But yet it was still a church. And, right, um, right. and so I think like, Grow where you're planted. Maximize it. I think these uh, these sort of cultural centers right now, like Moscow uh, mm-hmm. with Doug Wilson, they got a lot of people moving out there. I think a lot of those people are going to realize that while Moscow is a great faithful church, that they've kind of built it up to be something it's not. But no, yeah. let me tell you, Nate Warner, you're an idiot if you plant a church without actually being trained or ordained. You'll hurt people, including yourself and your own family. Don't do it. Be a man. Get trained. Be apprentice somewhere.
0: Man, that's good. I, it reminds me of some advice I got from uh, D. A. Carson, who's a professor at the seminary I went to, and I was talking with him about a, uh, a pastoral role that I was in. And you know, I'm not really one to look over my shoulder and, and see if the grass is greener at a different job, but you know, I was at this sort of a, a crisis point. Maybe isn't quite the right word, but I was beginning to to wonder if I should leave. And what he told me was. You have a moral obligation to serve where you are right now to the absolute best of your, of your abilities until God calls you out. And that was it. I mean, he was absolutely right. God had put me there and, you know, there wasn't like, it wasn't heretical or um, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't causing me to commit sin or anything to be there. And so basically what he was saying is if God's planted you there, you are morally, ethically required to do your best. Um, and that's that has really stuck with me. I hear a lot of that in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a comment. This is coming in from Facebook. Um, this is from Jennifer Loken. Hope I pronounced her name correctly. Here's what she said. Uh, she found an old quote. From you, I believe this is from you. I don't know if you remember it or not. From 2016, it says this: people are people are finding your old stuff, man. And uh, and um, not all mostly, of it.
1: I deleted a bunch of it.
0: Probably wise.
1: Got ahead of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's what she says. Uh, she said that you said, "Quote: William's sexual liberation had less to do with the removal of patriarchal oppression, but more to do with the loss of matriarchal discretion." And then so I said, okay, Jennifer, do you have a question related to that? And she says this quote, this is her question now. What are his thoughts for the future of the idea of Christians having to potentially do semi arranged marriages? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, um all the vast majority of relationships are mediated right and now they're being mediated through websites so through the website you're identifying different factors they like this they like that right a lot of it's based really on pictures more than anything but also you kind of go back to eHarmony and eHarmony was doing the work of a mother a father right the extended family at filtering uh, for the candidates Uh, so I think uh you're never going to get away from filtering and the best the probably the marriages that are going to do the best in general god is gracious and works in some bad relationships are the relationships that have um uh been uh been filtered you know so yeah i think uh there's a i think it's it's going to happen i think it's wise i think um i will i always tell my my daughters and my sons like hey when you like a boy or a girl bring them around to the family see what your brother thinks you know what i mean so anyway
0: yeah cool um okay so i think this is the last question here i'm not oh maybe i got one more coming in let's see but um this is one Again, posted on Facebook, and it's an old quote. So let me read what the person said here. Uh, this is from Dustin Ranum, and he says that he saw this shared around, and he's not sure if it was you, Michael, or if it was your partner Nan, and he'd love clarity. So I'm just I'm going to read the quote, and then you can. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a way of getting the quote in here because it's a it's a JPEG. Gotcha. But but here's the quote. I don't have a firm opinion on whether it's biblically justified for men to beat their wives, and even if I did, I suppose you and I would disagree on what constitutes beating. It is biblically justified for a man to beat his slave, male or female, e.g. Exodus twenty-one twenty. 20- and 21, meaning taking a rod to his back for discipline. Given the analogy the Bible makes between slaves and wives, e.g. Exodus 20, verse 17, 21, verse 7, the use of Baal to mean husband, et cetera, Baal uh, meaning Lord, I think in Aramaic something, uh, it may therefore be permissible, permissible to do the same to one's wife. Again, I'm sorry, I can't put it up on the screen, but um, so this uh, Justin Ronham says he would like, or, sorry, Dustin Ronham says you would like clarity on that quote, and I'm happy to read it again for you if you uh,
1: want. No, I'm familiar with it. Uh, and, Dustin, you know I didn't say that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so, so what What that that's actually pre it's good to be a man uh, that is from a long Facebook dialogue that non got suckered into with some feminists and he was thinking out loud (laughs) and he shouldn't have been, but on our, our, on our page, it always says that we're against spousal abuse. I would reject it based on exposition of the sixth commandment and that causing, so your wife is your body, right? Your head, she's your body. Right. right? Um, And so I would say it's, it's a violation of the sixth commandment over and over what's going on out there. Uh, why this keeps coming up is the egalitarians got nothing and they can't hang and we destroy them on the <laughs> created order. Um, so white knights That's have cool. to dig up these, uh, these quotes and, uh, and screenshots. But Nan actually wrote a whole post on how the thought, how he was working through it and why it's wrong and why he doesn't believe it. Um, I know Non's wife, Sarah, or Smokey, uh, very well. That it's not something that was ever practiced in their marriage or whatever. It was a theoretical conversation. Right. That's the thing um, that Jesus forgives, but the internet doesn't, right? The internet forgets. Right. And the Christians that keep dragging that stuff up, though, um, especially ones that know better, uh, are a bad reflection of the nature of God, right? And yeah. <clears throat> so with those sort of things, um, I would say – that uh, obviously we're against that, nons against that. Uh, we have a position a uh, page on it's good to be a man. It's been there for two years or whatever. And from day one, that was stated on there, not a thing. and um, so yeah,
0: yeah, that's good. Um, it just, just again, because I've got some people who watch this show to try to catch me in something wholeheartedly agree with you. Sometimes we say things when we are verbally processing or processing in conversation and, uh, you know, later on you clarify, well, no, here's my actual position. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I I think it's, uh, it's not biblically justified nor desirable in any way for, for a husband to hit his wife. I, I think that's, uh, you know, if I found, well. I won't tell you what I'd like to do with a a man (laughs) who I found out was doing it. Right.
1: I've never stated that. And from day one, it's good to be a man has been against it. And it's always had that stated on the website and not because, um, because these people dug this stuff up and just keep going with it. They can't find anything on me. Can they Dustin? Um, But, uh, but these folks keep digging these stuff up just because, um, because egalitarianism is evil and that's all they have.
0: Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, what what I was gonna say was I, when I, if I if I were to know a man who was doing that to his wife, I mean, I, I, natural impulse in me was I'd want to slap him around, uh, because right. of what you you know because that's discipline them right. Did, that's you know, right.
1: The what I like to ask those guys, those guys that talk about what are they doing about the the spousal abuse that comes from women, hmm. right? And that's because they're building into this narrative that patriarchy is uh, is evil and that men hate women and beat their their wives that's actually right. not normative throughout history right. uh, certainly not in the best relationships but their violence in marriage is a real right. problem it's a problem for both sexes but i gotta tell you i've got a lot of guys calling me that they're like my wife's to me what do i do mm. and you have to tell them like you have to get out of that situation because if your wife beats you up and you push her once just push her on the ground the cops mm-hmm. come they're gonna arrest you and take you away it doesn't matter right yeah so but yeah, yeah
0: um okay well thank you so much for that that uh clarity um sad that we have to talk about stuff like that but uh it's the yeah but it's um uh, it's good to have biblical clarity on it um let's see do we want to talk i've got a few more how how are you doing on time do you have to go or do you have like yeah I
1: i got about five more minutes let's do it
0: okay let's do it all right uh how can This is from Noah de Spain. How can women equip themselves to raise biblical men since there are many single mothers? And then it looks like he continues here. He says, obviously, men should biblically train young men, but there's a vacuum of male leadership, which seems to lend itself to making more godless men. All right. So, Michael, how do we break that chain? And what's the role of, of you know single moms? What do single moms do?
1: Well, single moms need to be the best moms they can not try to be some poor uh, replacement for a father, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you have a breakdown in uh, natural situations, there's going to be consequences. There's nothing you can do about that. But what I would um, urge, urge him to be tough, work against coddling him. Right, a lot of mothers going to coddle. Don't do it. And there's some single mothers that are pretty good at pushing their sons to be tough and get involved in sports, have some yeah. coaches in their life, uh, get some elders to take time to actually uh, disciple them and, and uh, invest in them. Uh, that's what she can do. But she cannot be a dad, just like a man cannot be a mom. It's just not natural and it won't work out. So she should do the best job at being the mother that she can. And I've told my wife that if um, my kids are older. And she dies. Um, I'm probably not gonna remarry. You know, i just write books and cause trouble and do things. You know, like. Uh, but um, if my kids are still young, I would probably consider remarrying, uh, simply because I, I I can't be both parents, and I would wanna enter back into that mission with another person. And I've urged her to do the same, because it's uh it's really sad that this is a real epidemic. But uh, mothers can't make men; just men make men.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, All right. Last question. This is coming from me. Could you ever vote for a female presidential candidate? Uh, Probably not.
1: Probably not. Sometimes God is judging a nation, right? And um, have I ever voted for a woman? I don't. I think I have. I've I've been a stubborn libertarian most of my life until I voted for Trump this past past year. Mm-hmm. You know I've always voted libertarian third party. So when McCain ran with uh what's her name, the Don't you know chick from up in Alaska. Yeah. Um uh, uh, I, I was like yeah, that's right. I'm not voting for him, um, but uh, I, I think at don't this. You know, chick. Yeah, she's got this sort of folksy. You know?
0: sure, yeah, sure. The
1: folksy wisdom. That was yeah. kind of her shtick there for a while. Yeah, but um, no, I, I probably wouldn't. But uh, I don't know. I, I I'm sure not. I would be interested to hear what Nam would say. He'd be more principled on it than I am. Okay. Okay. How's that for a (laughs) non-answer?
0: That's, I was, I'm ready to vote for you for president with a political answer like that. (laughs)
1: Just Uh, being honest, man.
0: Yeah. Well, um, uh, no, no. And and that's good. I appreciate it. And speaking of appreciating things, Dustin says he appreciates you answering. And then. um,
1: Dustin, tell women to submit to their husbands. (laughs) Be patriarchal. Stop Stop hanging out with those lambs rain people, man.
0: Sounds like you guys have a little history there.
1: Love it. Uh, he's a good guy.
0: Um, okay. Jesus uh, spoke back up. He says, "Heavy duty." I agree. I agree. This is. I guys. I told you this was going to be a great episode. I told you it was going to be a barnstormer. Um, I don't know. Okay, Dust. I'm going to let you uh, interact with Dustin in the comments. He's. I don't know what he's talking about at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, but Dustin, thanks for watching, man. Thanks for the interaction. Um. Michael, we've got to wrap up here. So, how can people get in touch with you, and um, uh, you know, keep up with your work?
1: You can go to, it's good to be dot com. That's one place you can go. I am pretty active on Twitter at this is foster t h i s i s foster f o s t e r. Also, I'm on I'm on Gab, right? With all the alt, right? people apparently but uh so you can find me this is the two places i'm at uh i'm most active so yeah are you this
0: is foster on gab as well i am yes okay perfect yeah um you know gab it's uh i i've had i've seen some great things and then i got into it with some anti-semites a couple days ago as well and uh so you get you get all kinds on there but the idea i think is Look, if you don't like them, block them or refute them or, you know, move on with your life.
1: It's like uh, the trolls on Gab is like arguing with your drunken neocon uncle, right? <laughs> right. this right. is really different than Twitter. It's like, yes. and, and then you look at them like, are these conservatives? Like, they right. do sound pretty uneducated and stupid. So,
0: right. You know. Right. Right. All right. Well, um, many, many thanks to my guest, Michael Foster. Um, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. Feel like I could do it all day. Um, but, uh, but listen, if you enjoyed this, if you liked the uh, the content, do us a favor, like this video. And if you're watching on YouTube. We get a lot of viewers on YouTube. The vast majority are not subscribers. But um, the more subscribers we get, the more that helps the ministry, the more that helps the channel. So if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a like and then make sure you hit that bell so you don't miss a minute of the um, of the content we're putting out. You can also follow the Think Institute on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Gab, and MeWe. And uh, many of you have... um become our supporters over the years. We are support raising missionaries, Alisa and I. And if you want to partner with the Think Institute and my family, you can do that by going to give.crew.org slash 1018841. That's give.cru.org slash 1018841. That's uh kind of a weird link, but that is our giving link. That's why it's got that number. That's our giving uh, number through crew through which we are missionaries. Um, Really, really appreciate you all watching. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send an email to thethink.institute at gmail.com or you can get in touch via uh, our new Proton Mail account, which is thinkinstitute at protonmail.com. Probably eventually we'll all have to move over to Proton Mail when Google decides they're going to uh, limit our free speech. Um, Noah Despain has already shared this vid. Noah, I appreciate that, man. And listen, Noah, I want you to know something. You're all right in my book. I don't care what people say about you. All right. So many thanks again to my guest, Michael Foster. Michael, this was fantastic, man. Really, really, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Um, That's about all we have for you today. So remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. Until next time, I hope it made you think.